Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Look at that. The Hendersons are getting a new fence. Ah, who cares? They're swingers. I want a new fence. We just got one two years ago after your parents were killed. I want a new fence. That's it. We're never having sex again. Need a home loan fast? At the American Bank of Los Santos, we'll help you get the debt you need to make life easier. We'll show you how to look richer and be poorer. Your home is your equity. What exactly are you saving it for? You need to impress people fast, not in 20 years. It's only a risk if you get into money troubles or the economy changes, which doesn't seem likely. We know living in the suburbs is a constant competition, where you're defined by your lawn and your siding. Call American Bank of Los Santos when you need to add a rec room addition with a jungle swing or a jacuzzi for eight. Now that the kids have moved out and have drug problems of their own, maybe it's time to install a luxury marble wet bar so you can get drunk in private. American Bank of Los Santos. Dreams take money. Why worry about tomorrow if you look inadequate today? Shut up and sit down. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 346 of Third Shift. It is a beautiful day here in sunny Charlotte. Wow, the sun is shining. The fluffy white clouds are going overhead. There's no rain. There's no snow. What a glorious day to be alive. Maybe we've just happened upon actual springtime for sure, for real this time. Matt shakes his head. He says it's no way. There's one more dreadful, dreadful something happening before true spring, then summer comes. Matt, I don't want to believe it. I want to believe that it's just nothing but happiness. And of course, I'm already talking to him before he's been introduced, but it is the inglorious passion himself. It's Mr. Matt. He's here today for another awesome episode of Third Shift. And of course, Matt, you say no. We are doomed for one more bad day. How's your week been? What day is this you think is going to happen? There's no way. We're going right into May. The sadness has to be over in May, right? And yet, I was watching as the only place that I watch it at Mom's house. Went over there for laundry and stuff on the weekend and for shows that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. And she had the local news on and the local weather. And it went, ah, you know, it's kind of 50s, kind of 30s. And I went, ah, I don't want to hear about this 30s. I don't want to hear about 40s. I want to hear low of 49, high of anything else all the rest of my whole life. That's it. That's all I want to hear. And then the the, the weather lady went, oh, well, there's the 14-day the, the forecast, which is never right because it's Michigan. But then she, she hard cut to another segment and said, hey, remember, actually – the average uh, final freeze for Michigan is like May 10th through 15th. And I, I, did a, I did a rude gesture to the TV that I'm replicating right now, so it's a good thing it's not a video podcast. And I went, <laughs> to that, all the things that I can't say. But regardless of all that, it was a good week. Because over the weekend, went to see Tina, the Tina Turner musical, at the Wharton Center. Fantastic show. Now... We, we've talked a lot about the last few weeks about people who are next to you at shows and things. I'm not going to do that, but I will, I will share one, one thing that made me chuckle. Because if you don't know Tina Turner, like, there's only one thing that everybody knows about Ike and Tina. There's, there's one thing. Like, if you don't know the music, if you don't know this, you know one thing about that story. But apparently the people behind me didn't know that about the story. Because anytime there was a that kind of thing, they went, oh my god, oh. I was like... What what exactly were you expecting at this point in the story? Like what? Re- really? What? Oh, oh, oh my god. 
But it was a great show. Great performances, as always. The end, which I won't spoil, was really, really fun. You get like a whole big thing that happens. And it's it's different from a traditional musical, like right at the end. It's great. Wonderful. Just a ton of fun. Also, what was a ton of fun? The next day, went and saw Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves at my local Regal Cinema. Eric and I talked about it off-air. A good movie. A good time. A fun time. Some chuckles to be had. Some surprisingly good action scenes. Like, lots of good stuff. And, you know, like, well-put-together scenes and good action and all this stuff. But I told Eric this, and I'm going to stand by it because it's just how I am, how I roll. It reminded me of Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, where it was everything was goof and funny, so when it came time to not be goof and funny, my brain was already like, I don't, it's just, it's goof, it's just goof world. They're going to save the day and then they're going to say a goof thing. I don't, blah. And I didn't dislike the movie, but my engagement with the stakes was just like broken by that point. And I'm, I'm not, it's just, it's just a me thing. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm not saying Wonderlands is bad, but it had the same effect on me as that. It's like, if everything's just silly, then everything's just silly. It's never not silly. Oh, a surprisingly good action scene. Yeah, but of course they made it out because everything's just silly and funny and teehee. So, I don't know, a good movie. Eric, jump in and, and say how wrong I am. No, I agree. I agree that the movie is goofy, and I agree that there's no true stakes. But I felt that it kept right on to the right side of goofy. It It never went cringe for me. It always stayed right there where it was just chuckles and ridiculous with just enough sincerity, just enough realness to where I didn't go, okay, this makes no sense. I don't care at all. But I do agree. Overall, yes, it's a silly movie. And there's no true stakes because it, it does take itself as kind of a joke the whole way through. But I think that's what it was going for. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, and I enjoy that about it, especially, you know, the, the dragon. You know, like we didn't even talk about that, but the whole dragon scene. They could have went so many ways with that. You know, D&D's rich with dragon history, dragon this, dragon that. And they chose that. And that, to me, was comedic, funny, over the top. Could have been cringy, but for some reason just stayed right on this side of it. And there's that funny ridiculousness. And I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I just, uh, I really had a good time. And it was nice just to have, like you said, those wonderful action scenes. Really cool uh, D&D references. So, you know, you could kind of nerd out, geek out. And characters who actually acted really, really well, except for some very, very minor spots that we've nitpicked, but they're nitpicks. They're not like true, oh my God, it ruined the movie, it, it ruined my time, and none of that happened. It's just some tiny things here and there. I think for me, it's, it's just in that weird balance where it can be a fun movie that's still serious, or it can be like a complete farce. And it it was just like right in between those two, so I could my brain couldn't frame it right. Yeah, and there was a couple moments it did want you to take it serious. Mm. There were there were a couple of those, and and like you said, you couldn't because it had given you too much comedic and ridiculousness, and and so you went, okay, you're you're in the fun camp. That's where you went. Yeah. But now you want me to be serious about this moment, and I can't be. It's it's yeah. too late. I thought you were over here. And if it was like completely outright gooftacular, I can go that route because I like a lot of just completely silly things. But it just, I think there's like there's like one little space of gray right there where my where my my head doesn't quite connect both the dots, and it hit hit right there. But still a fun show, great actors, good. Like I said, the great action scenes. I I assumed it would all be like slip on a banana peel, and oh, we got out of there because a bucket fell on that guy's head, and a horse pooped, and he slipped in the poop, and he he he. But it was actually some good action. So 
surprisingly well done and a good show. If you're in the mood for a lighthearted, fun romp at the movie theater, you can't go wrong with this. I didn't have a bad time and other things that I'm having a great time with. Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology. I love that game so much. Anytime there's a story sequence, I rub my hands together with delight and I go, oh yeah, what's going to happen? And then something, another thing just happened where a, a big a character sacrificed himself. I won't spoil anybody, obviously, but I was like, man, and I had that feeling that Stock did that I talked about in the last episode or the one before that, where I went, I have to be able to stop that. I have to remember that in this region, bad things happen. So there has to be a way in the other timeline to circumvent this. And there's there's definitely other ones that if somebody asks you to do something, but in that timeline, you can't. So I'm like, okay, I know I have to do that. This one is not spelled out, but I'm like, I've had, there has to be a way for me to tweak this. And tw- and, oh man, it's so good. So much fun. Also so much fun and so good. Like a Dragonetian. I haven't been playing enough of that because... Literally every time that I'm here at the house and I want to play video games, I pull out my Steam Deck and I play Marvel's Midnight Suns. God, that game is just phenomenal. I have so many cards and so many abilities just on my Hunter alone to say nothing of all the other characters that I have. The dials on so many of them are getting turned up so high. Like there's there's boss characters every now and then, super villains you got to fight and you you take their big health bar down once and then they come back up and you got to do it again. But my hunter and some of my other characters are so buff and badass that I come up to the super villain and I'll, oh, it used to be, you know, oh man, I have to go like a few rounds to get him down. Now it's just oh, if I just play two cards, his giant health bar it's gone like that. And since I'm holding this other card, which increases in power the longer I hold it, the next turn he gets up and I just go, slam, you're done. And it feels great. I mean, it's it's that board game or card game mentality. You know, you know it because we've played those games before mm-hmm. where you get that hand of cards. And you're like, oh, my God, if I use this, it'll allow me to draw one over here, which I can use. And this one makes that one free. And this one makes that one buff up. And you just kind of go wham, 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 wham. And you've played in your four card plays. You've played like eight cards or you've taken out ten enemies. It's so fulfilling, so rewarding, so delicious and fun and a I I spend so much time just playing general battles, not even progressing the story because it's so fun to just fight in that game. But then when I do progress the story, stuff is going like crazy. I won't spoil the characters involved, but one character just turned evil and brought back another one who tried to kill everybody who was a former friend. The stakes are getting raised, and I'm assuming everything's going to come out fine by the end, but who knows? Because stakes are getting raised up, and characters are getting pissed off and fighting with each other. Characters who I was best friends with, now they're like, the responses that I usually give to their questions, they're turning around, so they hate the responses that I would normally give that we were normally on the same level with. So it's really good, and it's really fun. And I just can't wait to play it every time I have free time and run around in the Abbey and talk to my friends and talk to Deadpool who's there. And all. I have such great conversations with Deadpool every friendship level up or anytime he's got a, a cutscene conversation to have. It's just a lot of fun. And I love it. I'm having a great time playing video games right now. How about you, Eric? Well, okay. So we already talked about seeing Dungeons & Dragons, but I want to add one thing. Just one little thing. My father-in-law did it again. He did it again. Oh, no. Yep. We get in the movie. First off, they didn't bring the food to us. So I had to go ask about the food like 40 minutes later. And then they were like, oh, yeah, it says you got it. It says you got food. I'm like, oh, you didn't get no food. Let me go check. 
Sure enough, as soon as I sit down, they bring it, but it's ice cold. The movie started. Didn't want to make a fuss. I was like, nah, today's not the day to go be, you know, just be aggressive and get things and do this and that. I don't want to do it. So I didn't complain. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, though, midway through the movie, found out his phone. What's it do, Matt? Goes <sighs> on. He turns it off. I go, Brian, I t- and I told him before the movie, I said, make sure you turn the phone off, Brian. The screen tells us to look at that. And he went, ho, ho, yep, yep. He didn't. Okay. And then, 10 minutes later, and I go, Brian, your phone's gone. Your phone just went off. Uh, someone's just texting me. All right, Brian, you gotta turn your phone off, Brian. You gotta turn your phone off. Turn your phone. You gotta turn. Off. I did. No, you didn't, because it's going off. So he picks up his phone, does something rather. Three, four minutes later. Uh. Brian. Oh, these these mother effers are calling me. This stupid phone. The stupid you. The stupid you, phone, Brian. Brian. Turn your phone off, Brian. Turn your phone off. He's playing with his phone again. About five, ten minutes later. I don't know what it is. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God. So, I said, Brian, you need to leave your phone in the car from now on because you don't know how to use it you don't know how to turn it off you don't know what you're doing with it so you gotta leave it in the car and then after the movie you obviously check it so you called and, and return calls or whatever you gotta do uh, yeah, I guess I'll uh, turn the damn thing off well nope you didn't I don't understand how it's so hard for people I'm not just ragging on him but turn it off you know when it's off because it will say like they have a big power button and you'll hit it and your phone will say toodaloo, see you later. Turning off. And, and it will literally like go super dark and then you can go like this. You can and tap it, it with your finger and nothing happens because it's off. <laughs> so, so that happened. I, I didn't give him too much grief because I, I, I griefed him pretty hard the first time he did it. <laughs> so I didn't want to scare him away. But yeah, that happened. We were those people. And since I was next to him, I was part of that party, and it made me sad. I hate that stuff. I hate it to the bones. But anywho, we already talked about Dungeons & Dragons. I went and saw it as well. Had a great time with it. Harry Potter Legacy. I beat it. I did it, Matt. Nice. Hooray for me. I have completed that game. I had such a good time with it. As I said, I did go do a couple of the side quests. I made sure to finish off every main, like your main character friend's sidelines and stories. Before I went and beat it. And then the worst, maybe best part of this, which is, you know, fun in itself, is the day I beat it, I didn't think I was in the last spot. I thought I was, like, the fight before the last fight. So I was supposed to go get my daughter from a party and everything, and at this certain such and such time, and so I'm over here going through this dungeon, getting things done. Time's coming up, and I'm like, well, that's fine. I'm, I feel, you know, you, you know when you play a game long enough. You know when the, the end of the dungeon's coming. You feel it. I'm right there. Okay, I get it. All of a sudden, one of the bosses is right there, and I go, well, okay, it'll be like him in his regular form. He'll run away, then we'll have to go chase him and do the the final form or whatever it's going to be. No, Matt. That was it. Him, and then he turned to his final form, did the whole all-in-one. And I'm like, looking at the clock, oh, geez, oh, Pete, this is not good. Because it was a good 35, 40-minute dungeon, you know, so 
I don't want to do this again if I don't have to. It's not like it was hard, but I still want to do it again. So I get done. I beat him. And I look at the clock. And I've got seven minutes to be 12 minutes away. <laughs> and I went. And then the ending started. Just began. Because mm-hmm. it cut. And I'm like frantically pushing star. Any button I can. Like, can you pause? No pausing. Just skip the whole thing. That's all you could do. So I had to just leave with the ending rolling and doing its thing and left. I don't know what the ending is. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm sure it was great. I'm sure it was a great ending. It was wonderful, I'm sure. Glorious. Didn't see it. But come home, find out that that's not like the ending ending. It was like, oh, hey, that speech was wonderful. Your friends were like, that speech was great. And what you said and what they did was wonderful. And I'm like, I don't know what was said or what was happened. I don't know what happened. Sure, it was wonderful. And then they all did the meet me here. Hey, farewell, you're such a great friend. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, hey, now go graduate. Hey, now go take your owls. So I did like a bunch of little cut scene clips and and that's how it ended and then you got the actual credits and then you know new game plus or whatever. So yeah, I beat it and it was fun and the last boss was a great time. Uh it was fun actually funny because you have different areas and you can put different types of magic in the four little slots. And naturally I had one of my slots grouped with every kind of magic. So I didn't even need to make any adjustments. I get to the last boss and He's doing stuff that requires you to use every kind. Without doing anything or any prep, I already had it ready to go. So I just in there, I'm just boom, 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 smoking this dude, going through the cycles, going through the motions. But the way he was set up was a good time, and the interaction was fun. So overall, a great time. And then, of course, they do the best thing you can do in an open-world type game is at the end. They go, hey, you beat the game. Here you go. and You can just go finish up quests, you know, find collectibles, get a platinum if you want a platinum. Have fun. Thank you for playing. And that was great. Because then I went to my trophies and I went, well, do I have any that are like, you know, 80% or above the way there? Sure enough, I had like three or four. So I went and wrapped up those. Got three or four more easy trophies and finished them up. I think there's one more I could do. I don't know if I will, but maybe. We'll see. But anywho, what a great time. It's good to put that in the books. I popped on Horizon Forbidden West, Matt. Yep. I got back in that. And I actually got back into the swing of it way quicker than I thought I was. I thought I was going to. I went in there and I started smoking monsters right away, having a good time. Did a couple of the rebel camps to kind of warm up and get the groove back. And now I'm currently working on going towards one of the main missions because I'm going to do exactly what we talked about. I should have done the last time I got back into it. I'm just straight lining this bad boy. I'm going to those main missions. I'm going to smoke this game because I hear that the Burning Shore DLC is phenomenal and it's only for PS5. And they did like a lot of little tweaks and minor graphical updates. And, and I hear the story is great. Sounds like it's going to be fun and a good time, so I want to get to it before it falls off my palate and my plate because we got a lot of stuff coming. And then what else did I do, man? Hmm. Destiny. Went and did another raid boss. I won't talk long on that, but I actually got in there and did one. Unfortunately, everybody was upset with me because I had like a very little bit of time. So I went and got one, and I was like, all right, I got to go. And they're like, what the hell, man? Can't even stay for like two? And I'm like, no, literally just one. But got another one down. So that's in the books. And last but not least, Wild Hearts. The only thing I'll really say on this was me and Shay got on. We got on early. I don't remember what was happening, but it was like 6 and we were able to get on. And that's usually not what happens. It's like 8.30-ish or whatever. So we ended up playing for like four and a half, five hours just straight. And we killed God knows how many monsters at this point. And it just was that awesome feeling of still being you know, our normal get-off time. But we had done so much, upgraded so much. We're just like, did this just happen? Did we just like literally have like 14 hunts 
Yep, that just happened. We just did it. Man, what a good feeling. Like, it was fun the whole way through. It was nice. It never had that rushed feeling like, oh, three monsters, and we'll probably call it for the day. Oh, we just smoked boss monster after monster after monster after monster. So what a good night that was. Can't wait to do it again, but it'll have to wait because I'm going camping this weekend, Matt. So there you go, buddy. That was my week. So <laughs> this week, a, a game that I have pre-ordered that I was very excited about actually did come out, which is Coffee Talk Episode 2, Hibiscus and Butterfly, developed by Toge Productions, published by Chorus Worldwide Games. This dropped on the 20th for PC, PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo Switch. Literally all the announcements say PC and consoles, and I went, it's like, got to be only like two consoles. And it's all the consoles, and it's the PC, and this is the sequel to Coffee Talk, which is a game I played, I think, two years ago, maybe, on the Nintendo Switch, and absolutely loved. I, th- I figured it would just be kind of a toss-away game, but I fell in love with all the characters, and this continues that. It's episode two of that. So... In Coffee Talk, if you don't remember, you play as a barista in kind of almost cyberpunk Seattle. Not really cyberpunk, but it's this weird alternate kind of future history where humans live in league with demons and angels and all kinds of mythological creatures. There's aliens. There's there's all kinds of stuff. Werewolves, manticores, everything. And basically, you as the barista just fulfill orders for the customers who come in. And it's not really about making the coffee or the tea or whatever, but each customer will come in, request a drink, and whether you know how to do it or not, you've got to make them something. And if you make them something good, they can open up a little bit more in their conversations that they have with you, with the other patrons. You really just get to know all these characters. These, you know, characters that could be wacky and crazy because, you know, this person is literally their werewolf. Well, what kind of crazy stuff is going to happen? You're going to learn about, like, their fears, their ambitions, what they want to do in life, what's going on in their backstory. I think there's one where like a demon and an elf, they're a couple, but the parents don't like it. So they're trying to figure out what to do. It's just a, a an easy breezy kind of a visual novel, get to know, have conversations with cool characters type of game. And it sounds, sounds light and fluffy off the top. But like I said, you really start to care about those characters and get to know them. And when you see him, you're like, oh, yeah, he's back. What's, what are we, we going to talk about this time? I don't know. So it's, it's a hard game to describe, but it is just a lot of fun. The writing's always really good. The pixel art in this game is phenomenal, just like the first one was. Go see some screenshots. Go see some videos of it in action. And it's just a, a nice, cozy game. This one, I think, is about five and a half, six hours long. You get to continue the stories of your favorites from the original. You get to see new characters jumping in. You get a couple new mechanics. You get some new ingredients for the brews. So there's all kinds of different drinks that you can make now. There's a mechanic where certain characters that come in will drop off items. If you give them to the correct person, that unlocks their story even further. Maybe if you didn't give it to them, their story kind of comes to a certain end. But if you give it to the character you're supposed to at a certain time, then their story will branch off this way. So it's not exciting to talk about, but it is exciting to play because it's that cozy hanging out with your friends type of vibe. You know, it's it's chilled, kind of lo-fi music in the background. It's always raining outside. It just sets that mood of just hanging out in a coffee shop and just hanging out with these cool characters who come in and interact with each other in cool ways. So check out Coffee Talk Episode 2, Hibiscus and Butterfly. If you just want a chill gaming experience, if you want to hang out with some fun characters. And another thing that Coffee Talk 1 did... They order a lot of stuff that I've never heard about. You look it up on Google and wow, this is actually a traditional Indonesian coffee type of drink that has this and this and this in it. 
Maybe expand your own horizons. Get your own kind of brews and stuff going. It's just a lot of fun. I'm excited to play it. I pre-ordered it like two weeks ago before I knew it was coming out this soon. So I literally can't wait to turn on my PS5 and start playing this after I download it. Coffee Talk Episode 2. Have a great time with some friends. So sticking to calm, cool, cool times and playing with friends, possibly, maybe, I'm going to tell you all about Trinity Trigger, everybody. You might have heard this. Because we've already talked about this game before. It was in one of the uh, showcases back in the day. And Matt said, hey, that does seem cool, but I don't like chibi people. They piss me off. It's not my game. I don't want to do it. And I said, but look at the artwork. It's got, when the character models come up, it's like Final Fantasy Tactics artwork. And he said, yeah, I agree. It's cool, but I'm not playing this dumb game because it's got chibi heads for the actual game, in-game characters. So does that refresh anything, everybody? You remember now what we're talking about? All right. We're on the same page now. Well, I don't think we th- talked about that on the show. <laughs> I, think, I think maybe you mentioned it. You were like, I'm going to talk about it on the show. And I went, I and don't like cheapy people. And we never actually did. <laughs> well, all right, folks. There you go. So, you got an inside conversation of something that was going to be talked about on a show back in the day. Do so you remember when you were at the workplace with us when we talked about it and you overheard <laughs> yeah. it on the other side of the machine and went, those nerds are talking about games again. This is the one we were talking about. This was it. Trinity Trigger. It released April 25th for all the platforms except for well, unfortunately, Xbox in this case, but PlayStation and, well, actually, Windows PC gets it, so by proxy, that is Microsoft, so in a, in a sense, you can get it, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Now, I was interested, unlike Matt, and I did follow it, and I kept paying attention to it and kind of going back and forth on it. It, let me tell you right now, going straight from Xseed's site, because Xseed's the individuals who brought this to you, if you didn't know, they brought forward Yuki Nobuturo, who did the world building for Secret of Mana to make this game, okay? So you're getting an OG from Secret of Mana to make this game, which, if you didn't know, is an homage to Secret of Mana. So what what better individual to bring that to you than the individual who actually made Secret of Mana himself? Then you also will get a Raita Kazama, who did the uh, character designs for Xenoblade. So if you like Xenoblade, there you go. You also got the scenario writer from Octopath Traveler, we all know that Octopath Traveler 1 and 2's writing is fantastic. That's that's never been in, in question. You're getting that. And then, of course, last but not least, you're getting the composer Hiroki Kakuda, who also did all the music for Secret of Mana. All right, so you've got a star team here making this game, which had me just following it the whole time. It is, of course, an action RPG modeled after Secret of Mana, an homage to it, in fact, and you get three characters. You get Cyan, who's your like your main character. He ends up being like the proxy for the uh, god of chaos. And if you don't know, in this world, ancient times, the god of chaos, the god of order, fought each other, just wrecked everything completely. Ended up going and throwing all their magic weapons down into the the planet, and then dispersed so that way their champions over time could come back and fight one another to keep the balance, keep the order. Matt's smirking because he doesn't care. He hates these stupid, cliche stories. <laughs> I'm smirking because it's literally Secret of Mana. You yes. go and find the, the now, sword But and everything. instead, Matt, instead, you're getting these things called triggers, okay? You're not... <laughs> It's changed. <laughs> now, also, let me be clear. I was smirking in a good way. Like, yeah. hey, I remember this. Not like, ho, ho, ho. It is. I wasn't oh, thinking the story. thing that you said. No, I wasn't thinking that. I went, you brought them all back, and you're not rehashing, but you're you're reworking. Yeah, that reworking. Theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
just changing it, changing it up a bit, freshening it up a bit. And of course, you, Cyan, you're one of the uh, agents of chaos, as I already mentioned. But you decide that you don't want to, you don't want to go on track with what's supposed to happen. You're not going to go find the uh, agent of order. You're going to fight to the death so that one side wins and then holds the balance for until the next time. You ain't about it. So you and your friends, Elise and Zantis decide you're breaking the order and you're going to find a way to do so. So you start traveling the lands and you find these uh, creatures, like these little fluffy animals known as triggers, but they turn into all kinds of different weapons that you can then allocate to your three heroes. So that's pretty cool. And on top of that, along with uh, getting those different triggers, so you'll have the different weapons, you'll also find gems that you can then slot in to get different stat boosts and buffs and different things for your characters. That's how you customize them. There is no magic. It's all about attacking. It's all about the weapons. So if you're really wanting to get into spells and all this other stuff, this isn't the one game for you. It's all about just getting on the screen. Enemies will have tells, so they'll be bouncing around on screen, and then you tack them. They'll, if they're going to cast like a big spell, it goes straight. It's just like a lot of MMOs where it'll have like a red flash across the ground where it's about to strike. Make sure you're out of it. And then, of course, counter with your own stuff. I really find that stuff fun. I've told you guys all this a million times before. So this is what's kind of really getting me going. Plus, I was told that it's challenging but not hard in any respects. And that sounds perfect right now. That sounds like the perfect game. Just having some fun, a couple bosses or whatever events here and there, maybe a little bit challenging, but nothing's going to throw me off. Nothing's going to screw me over. I'm, there's no grinding involved in this game. You don't have to grind in this one. As long as you follow the main mission and, and story, you're going to be perfectly fine. Of course, there are side quests and stuff for you to do. But from what's been said, you don't have to partake in anything you don't want to, and you'll never be left in the dust. I can't say too much more about it. It's just a fantastic homage to Secret of Mana. If you love the action RPG series from way back in the Super Nintendo days, this is something you really want to pay attention to. Reviews have been pretty much positive across the board. There's a few here and there that think it was a, a slight miss in certain regards, but find who you trust in that, you know, in that manner and go ahead and take a listen. But for me, I'm sold. I'll be picking it up. I think it's like $49.99. And that was one complaint with some people say they think it was a little too pricey for what it is. But I don't know. I'd say I disagree in the sense, just because they brought back a lot of legends to make this game, you know, what the people wanted. And and just to do that, that requires money, that requires time and resources. So $49.99, if you want it, it's out there. Go take a peek because I'm getting it. I'm playing it. I might have a good time with it. And... I was just in one of those moods this week. You know, I, I consume a lot of long-form YouTube stuff. So I, I was on YouTube, and I found this guy called White Light. And he does kind of retrospectives on games, you know, five years past, nine years past, this and that. And I was watching some of those. And I went, okay, I kind of like this. Maybe I have some, some criticisms and stuff. But then I found a video of his called Riding with Red Dead's Most Disciplined Clan. And I don't want to talk too much about this because I want to send... This vi I wanted desperately to send this video to Eric, sight unseen, and hear what his reaction to this is. But sending Eric a 25-minute video will guarantee that he will never watch the whole thing. And th watching the whole thing is the entire point. But it's a 25-minute thing all about this clan called the Reaper Lords, which was in Grand Theft Auto Online. It's branched out into Red Dead Redemption 2. And if you know anything about them, then you know why I'm keeping part of this secret from Eric. But it was a roller coaster ride as I was watching this video, because I watched it and certain things started happening and I had a very specific reaction to it. But then I started coming around because 
a lot of the members of White Light interviews, they bring into question like a lot of good questions about why do you play games and what what brings meaning out of a game for you. So I started turning a different way and then other things started happening and it was it was like I said a roller coaster of emotions. But it's another story of people bringing their own value to a game that's it's not intrinsic value in the game itself. They they made this system that they have in Red Dead Redemption 2 that that only this group has ever done and I think it's just it's something I never knew about, and it's something really wild and interesting. You have to you have to watch it. I'm going to send it to you after this, and I know what a lot of the text will be. But I think it's just one of those things where I never knew about this. Nobody else would ever know about this unless you specifically encountered this group. And to take this game and what it provides to you and make something completely unexpected out of it is really a, a unique and interesting thing. So I, I won't spoil it too much. It's it's a very unique and a very interesting video, but a video that I will spoil is another one that I found just today as we're recording this episode. There's a guy, a streamer, twitch.tv slash DougDug. He was playing a Skyrim mod that he'd built himself. So if you go on his Twitch and you find the, the thing that I'm going to talk about, two hours of this six-hour stream is him messing around in the code and building this mod for Skyrim, which basically makes all the NPCs produce one big wheel of cheese every second. And so ostensibly what he's doing is playing a speedrun of the Dark Brotherhood questline where this happens. And every 10 or 20 minutes, he increases the amount of cheese that is spawned by the NPCs. And it's every NPC, not just the humans, all the animals, all the enemies, everything, everywhere, all the time. And it's just a wonderful laugh riot going through Skyrim. You know, put it on in the background as you're up doing some other stuff and look over at these towers of cheese that, you know, stationary NPCs, they drop the cheese right underneath where they are. So some get up in these big, long towers, and then they start to wobble, and then they fall out. And even as they're falling, cheese is shooting out of them. He's going into certain areas where there's a beautiful scene in the stream. You go into, like, an orphanage where you have to do a Dark Brotherhood thing, but there's kids sleeping in the beds. And as he's sitting in this confined space, cheese is constantly being produced underneath the beds. And then when there's no room there, the cheese is shooting out. And then the room slowly fills up with cheese. And it's like it's like a ball pit that's constantly adding new balls from underneath and just burbling up. It's a it's a wonderful thing. Watch the intro at least. He he plays through the intro and the horses are shooting cheese, all the other prisoners are shooting cheese, and it's just it's breaking the whole game, but since it's still a cinematic, it's kind of not. It's a beautiful thing. So if you want something serious, go watch a different video, but just go on Twitch and search for Skyrim Cheese. You will find it. Skyrim speedrun, but every NPC spawns a cheese every second. He gets up to two cheeses a second. The one I'm on right now, there's three cheeses a second. Like he literally goes into a river and the, the fish are spawning so much cheese that they're cheesing out of the river on this tower of cheese. It's amazing. It's wonderful. What a beautiful thing. And if you're into Skyrim modding and coding and stuff, watch the first like hour and a half of the video where he's trying to get this thing set up. It's just something ridiculous. You know, I, I was sharing a, a video that's serious and weird. And here, here's a video that's just nonstop gooftacular hilarity. Go see some big giant wheels of cheese everywhere. Just uh, everywhere. Dragons are dropping cheese as they're flying through the air. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. I can get down with that. That sounds like a good time. Now, I hate to swing it into bad news bears, but you know what's not a good time, Matt? Microsoft just got blocked 
by the Competition and Market Authority. It's just a regulatory you know, agency over in UK. If you don't know, Microsoft's been trying to get a hold of Activision Blizzard for quite some time now, but has to go through all the different countries and all their different rules and regulations and make sure everyone says, yes, this is fair. This isn't us getting a monopoly on this uh, market, da 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 They thought they had it in a the bag. They even posted a tweet saying it was going through. Everything was great. Then right out of the blue, it didn't go great. They went ahead and rejected it, blocked them, said, no, you can't do this because we're worried about the cloud gaming market and you'd have an unfair advantage there. Of course, they immediately started to appeal. Activision Blizzard's also on board with them and immediately appealed. So they're using all the resources to get back in there and fight this rejection. Most people say it'll still probably go through because all they'll have to do is do another couple you know, kinks and minks and you know this and that to make sure that in the cloud gaming market there's not some particular advantage. That's above my head. But what it does mean is it also still has to come here. And that means, and I think it's FHA, they're already like trying to sue them and screw them over for something else that they're doing. It's a whole thing, and it just adds more fuel to the fire of whether or not Microsoft's going to get Activision Blizzard. And then, of course, there's all sorts of articles talking about, well, if they don't, there's like a failure. They'll owe like Activision Blizzard $3 billion. It's a whole thing. It's been going on forever. It's probably, at this point, it's probably going to keep going on forever. But I thought I'd bring it up just because it is big news. Everyone is celebrating, and then bam, just this hit out of the blue. And now they're right back in there fighting again. So who knows what's going to happen? Who knows, man? It's one of those things that I haven't really wanted to talk about on the show because it's corporate people going through corporate stuff mm-hmm. and lawyers and country lawyers and duh, 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 and, oh, watch out for that cloud gaming market. How often do we talk about cloud gaming on this podcast? Like never, never, because it's never, it's, it's never going to work. It's never, it's not, it's not going to be a thing until we're dead and buried. I don't know. It's just one of those things. And then every time I think about it, I go, man, why would you want Blizzard? And no offense, because I know you're the big Blizzard fan from back in the day, but Blizzard has such a stink on it. We've talked about it on this podcast before, too. And they just announced that, I, well, I've heard secondhand, I was watching Skill Up's weekly or bi-weekly news thing, how all of their projects are, like, way behind. All the stuff that was going to be coming out is super delayed. Everything. So why do you want that stinky company? Everybody's leaving. Everybody's gone. I know you really just want the Activision part, because Call of Duty sells gangbusters every single year. But every time I hear about them, it's like, man, just, just drop... Just drop that, drop that piece off the side. Drop it off the side. It's fine. There's still two reasons. World of Warcraft still brings in bajillions of dollars every month. It's a, it's just, a, it's a, it's not a fountain of money that's the size of Call of Duty, but it's a fountain of money. You told me everybody's leaving World of Warcraft because oh, even no, you they, did. they brought them back with Dragonflight, Dragonflight, Matt. They brought them back. People, you don't even remember back. what it's They're called. Like, I was, <laughs> I meant to say Dragonflight, not Dragonblight. But I'm dumb, you know, just, geez, oh, Pete, excuse me. I'm just giving you crap. And the second one is Diablo 4. This is shaping up to sell a bajillion copies. Everyone's in a fervor for it. In fact, it's so popular that they're bringing back another Server Slam special for everybody to play the beta or the, you know, whatever, the demo one last time in May. So if you didn't know, now you know, folks, you get to play that beta demo one more time. I can't remember the exact dates they gave it. You'll have to go look that part up because I wasn't interested because I played the demo. I had a great time with it. I don't need to play it again until the game comes out. But it will be there. And everyone's just itching and chomping at the bit to get a hold of this. So they're literally, Blizzard right now has this game and I'm holding my controller. But this is them holding a bajillion dollar little pocketbook, you know, and they're about to put it out there. So if Microsoft could get in on this quickly, 
this could be part of their money too, and everybody could be happy. So that's, I think, you know, a big reason why Blizzard still does matter. After that, you're right. Who knows? Because they're behind on everything they're doing, and every game they freaking make takes 10 plus years. It's a whole rigmarole. It's annoying as all hell. But I did bring it up because, hey, we're, you know, we're that podcast that gives you little tidbits here and there, and we never talk about this one. So I thought, hey, here's the chance to just throw it out there. If you're casually into gaming, now you know, Microsoft's in this whole thing with, you know, Activision Blizzard trying to get them, and everyone's like, no, you can't have them. And Sony's like, no, you can't do it. <laughs> That's what I love about it. It's another one of those. Eric and I have these conversations offline all the time. Company A doesn't want Company B to do it, but if Company A could do it, they would say, "Oh, why? Why wouldn't you just let us do it?" If if Sony was to go buy up Activision Blizzard, the big, hey, no, Xbox, your concerns are invalid. But since Xbox has the jump and wants to do it, they go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're going to ruin gaming. You're going to totally destroy the gaming sphere." That's how it always works. So it's one of those things where every time I see, "Oh, we've brought up complaints and we don't like it." You would like it if you were the one doing it. If you could do it, you would 100% do it and then say everyone's stupid for for not wanting it. It's the same thing it always is. Mm-hmm. All the regulatory bodies who say this is not a good thing, if it was your two giant companies, if two giant British companies were going to merge and do the thing, you'd go, thumbs up, it's great, we love it, and it's wonderful. And then USA would go, hey, wait a minute, we don't think that's wonderful. And everyone would go, oh, governor, we don't, hey, what are you doing, you crazy yanks? Oh, what would you do that to us? It's the same thing it always is. Gosh, golly. It is indeed the same thing it always is and then just to add this last little bit it's funny because in this this whole freaking thing right now what's sony going to hey everybody we're so happy and proud to announce that we just acquired firewalk studios as well uh-huh. and now they're a part of sony's uh you know only in-house everything they'll just make games for us so yeah i know fire firewalk studios is on no level that blizzard but yeah, yeah, yeah meanwhile they're still just going Gobble up this really great developer. Gobble up that really great developer. Gobble them up this one. And they'll only make games for me and for me and for me and for me. But you took that big, big one and I'm upset. I don't like it. You got the giant Hershey bar. I only got the regular sized. <laughs> Silliness. And one other quick thing. You reminded me of it when you said Blizzard's games take 10 years to make. In that Skill Up News Roundup, he was talking about Xbox and how they're working them or one of their partners or whatever is working on some big AAA game, but it's expected to literally, you said it and they said it, take 10 years to come to fruition. How can that be a working model that anything could ever, you know, I'm not just saying here, but an- anywhere. anywhere. If your game takes five years to make and it's not just like a slice out of your, your one series, like from God of War to God of War Ragnarok, it's going to be so out of date with everything. Because everything changes so much. He speculated that maybe it was Elder Scrolls Six, whatever it's going to be. And that's the only thing I could think of. Because if they own Bethesda, and what game, if you did take 10 years to make it, would guaranteed still sell a brick ton? But it was one of those things of just a news item that I, I couldn't ignore. Just like you said. When, when you said 10 years, I went, there's something else that's taken 10 years to make. And how ridiculous is that? Like, how ludicrous. We won't even be on the same console generation in 10 years. It's going to be a whole new one, like all over again. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't – there's a million articles I've talked about it, and I just agree 100%. We can't keep this up. We can't keep these 10-year game things going on. It's too long. The development's too crazy for it. There has to be some kind of shortcuts made, some kind of uh, you know Unreal Engine 5 magic that can happen that allows them to speed this process up. 
because it's too long in the pan to come out to people. And it always inevitably always has exactly the issues you're talking about. They started on this thing 10 years ago. It finally gets to you. It was made on some other platform, previous platform, but it inevitably has to be pushed to get on the next one. So it doesn't even use all the tech, et cetera, that should be used for this one. And then on top of that, when the ne- they're done with that game, they don't want to make one for this actual platform because now they got to think about the next one, but they don't have the next one's technology yet. So they have to kerfungle it and start to think about the next one's tech, but still build it on the current tech. No, we need to get things down to a three to five year at most turnaround. So that way the games are actually relevant and made for the console that you're on. And Skillop said it when he was talking about it, like, if you have a 10-year development time, how much money are you spending in those 10 years that now you have to somehow recoup with that giant game? I mean, we've heard about it before, games that sell tens of millions of dollars. Uh, it's actually a, a failure for us. Barely, it broke even. Barely, barely made it. We have to, we have to just shut down that studio because they didn't make $100 million. They only made $99 million, and that's not good enough for us. Well... How could how could a 10-year game – and again, maybe this isn't actually real or, or whatever because there's no actual hard specifics on it. But how could that ever make its money back? However, like 10 years of a studio of however many people paid for the entire time, machines, equipment, staff. It's ridiculous. I, I, I agree. Not, not only is it ridiculous, but it's just – it's not even great because then you get jokes, you get items, you get things from – nine eight years ago that were funny or in, in, you know in in the news in the media or whatever it is you knew about it but now you're getting that joke seven eight years later and you're like oh yeah that's right they were making this game back when the goat was funny the goat's not funny anymore goats are always funny come on now come on, no. come on. i mean that's that's true but you know what i'm saying just for reference yeah yeah stuff like that it's that's a whole nother thing it's i hope they figure it out because i don't want to keep dealing with it But, of course, it kind of ties right in, Matt, to what we were going to bring up right here. And that's Cliffy B came out, talked about he's got a whole new thing going. But he also mentioned trying to bring back Lawbreakers, which is a game that came out and failed and then went away. And I I was talking to Matt about it, and he was like, no, I don't want to talk about Cliffy B and Lawbreakers. I said, no, that's that's not what I'm getting at. I said, it's interesting that what what is it in gaming? What is it about our culture that games that, came out that weren't necessarily bad games. They just were at the wrong, came out the wrong time, uh, had some kind of game-breaking glitch or something at the time that just ruined it, ruined the vibe, ruined the motion, and they disappeared. You know, Battleborn. Obviously, we started on Battleborn. You all know the story. That game was fantastic, but it just came out with the wrong circumstances, the wrong everything going on for it, and off it went. Why is it when a game dies or goes away... In gaming culture, we're like, it's dead, and it must stay buried and stay gone. Only games that are successful are allowed to ever get sequels, make remasters, resurgences. Any game that failed, and for any reason, the media will slam them to death if they even talk about bringing it back. We laugh and go, try again, sucker. (laughs) We're running out of ideas, let's be honest. And I'm not blaming them that... There's only so many ideas and things you can do to, you know, get fresh stories. We might need to start going back in the old Guffy and picking out some of these gems that just didn't make it for some reason and re-examining that kind of stuff. What do you think, Matt? Can we fix all this? What's going on? Well, I think I think this is the interesting aspect of it. And 
we almost got into the conversation before I said, let's just save it for the show or a shift your monthly topic. I 100% think you're right. When the media just makes sure things are dead and wants them to die even before they're actually dead, Battleborn was the perfect example. People were talking about how it was dead and gone even well, well, well before it was. There is that weird fixation on it, but I feel like you can totally bring these things back, but it depends on the level of death that they died. Just to say that, like when you said Lawbreakers and Cliffy B, and I, I kind of rolled my eyes and shook my head because that, in the impression that I have in my head, I'm sure it didn't actually happen this way. It came out and it was dead like three months later. Like they stopped and the, and the servers were offline six months later and it was gone. That's a quick, that's a fast death. That's that's a nobody wanted this. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying really nobody wanted it. Yeah. But that's a, that's a quick one. Now it's funny you say that. I wanted to interject here for just a minute because you're right. It did. It came out and snap, it was gone. That was the fast beheading. Boom. However, in the media side of things, because remember, I listened to a Benjamin podcast and have for a long time, Lawbreakers, everyone clamored. They, oh, it's a great game. It's a great game. I'm not going to play it, but it's a great game. That's basically what everyone said. I'm not playing it, but I, but it's good. I'm not playing it, but it's good. And it died because the people didn't play it. People didn't like it because they were on whatever it was. Battleborn was the opposite. That yeah. game lasted. It stayed out for years. But the media said it's garbage. It's so much garbage. It's the garbagest game that ever lived. It's the garbage McGarbage can. They they say that game with uh, just um, emotion. And they don't even played it. But they hated the guts out of that game for whatever reason. But enough people played it to where that sucker at least lasted a couple of years. Well, that... Battleborn is its own unique case. It wasn't the one that I was going to use as the example, but Lawbreakers came out, it died. Everybody knows that it was just kaboom gone. So I feel like when you go, oh, we'll bring it back, even if you never played it, if you don't know anything about it, even a person who doesn't listen to Dead Game is Dead podcasts or, or, or Reddit accounts, they're going to say, that game's dead. Even if they bring it back as free to play, like right now, I'm not going to say this is a fact, but my impression is nobody's going to play that because they knew it died and it's over. But if you brought back something like, say, Evolve, that was kind of in that that uh, Battleborn type of era where, Gray range, where yeah. it launched, it was fully priced game for about a year, then it went free to play for a year and a half, year-ish. If you brought that back, I think people would go, oh, okay, that was a cool game that had some interesting concepts, but it didn't work out that time. But if they fix all the stuff, we will 100% be open to it. Even if you don't, even if you never played it, it has enough of like a, it was around and it was a thing, kind of a vibe where this industry, which loves remakes and sequels and, and familiar IPs, oh, I think that could get another chance. Battleborn's its own special case just because the media crapped on it so hard. We were so close to it that we would 100% play another one. But I think that that's that's why I didn't want to use it as an example. Cause, yeah, because it had been oversaturated with the hate. Yeah, and I feel like Evolve had... Good feelings from players and from the media, but it just kind of had that weird kind of rocky, slow downward fall into death. But I feel like it has enough cachet because it did last for quite a long time. I mean, people remember when it went Evolve Season 2, boom, free to play, and then it lasted for however long it did. I feel like it was a year. I know it, def it wasn't that long, but it feels like a game that stuck around. So you could I feel like you could bring that one back. If you say bring Lawbreakers back... I think it was out for two weeks and got thrown in the gutter. So why why bring it back? That's why my reaction was what it was, because that's one that's just a quick hammer slam. It's gone. 
All these other ones who stuck around for a while, I don't know if it's still going on, like Paladins, all the other... I was going to say, that went away, then came back again. I don't I don't know if it's still around again, but... But I feel like if you said, hey, we're bringing Paladins too, I would go, oh, okay, cool. That, that first one was around for a long time, or, you know, bring it back in a, a gussied up form. For me, at least, the, the, the length of time that it was around before it died means something to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one that's near and dear to my heart, it's like Anthem. Yeah. Anthem had wonderful ideas. It was a gorgeous game, flying mechanic, and it was just top top tier. Like even the critics say, why is no, why is no other game rehash anything? And they they always inevitably go Iron Man, which I don't want because I don't like the MC universe anymore. I'm I'm over that. But any other game, just use that. Like Anthem had so many good things going for it. It fell apart in the end game. It, it lost. The, everyone went in and played, and everyone played for two weeks, and then everybody left because they went, Endgame, we forgot how to do that. We don't know what we're doing, and it all fell apart. But everyone considers that dead. You know what I mean? Like, Anthem, ooh, God, the story of Anthem. And I'm like, yeah, but there was so much good there. Don't let it just die forever just because they flubbed the Endgame and really kind of screwed the pooch on that. That one, again, it, it just did my brain. Maybe it's just because... You're the one who's talked about it, so I, I heard about when stuff was happening with it. It didn't stick around long, but it feels like it stuck around long enough in my head that if a different company, not Bioware, mm. went, hey, Anthem 2 is here. EA came out, hey, we're having developer X work on Anthem 2. I would go, sweet. I hope they fix it, and I'm going to play it this time from the jump because I missed out on the first one. It's It's got that, even though it had its problems, and you know, I watched a lot of the videos of people who had problems with it. But it feels like it was around long enough to be an IP that you could bring back and not have everybody cramp on. And shouldn't. I feel like a lot of people would be excited for that. And I, I want to be optimistic with you, but I'm just not. I just feel like most people, anytime you mention a game, regardless of its death and how it died, people want to just go, ooh, they really think, really think that's a good idea to try to bring back that game, you know? Oh, yeah, you know? And then you get in that conversation with all the podcasts, all the big, you know, the big outlets, the IGNs and Game Informers, and, and then they start their little cause dropping, and, and it always ends up with, you know, oh, yeah, well, they can't they come up with a fresh idea? And I'm like, they've been making games for since I was a baby. You know, how many ideas can there be out there? People say that, and I, I agree with it because I like fresh ideas too. But uh, Call of Duty every single year makes buku bananas more dollars. money than any game ever. Period. So, so why make new games when you can make the same type of games? Madden, NBA, Two K, all that stuff. They make money hand over fist. So you can't have it both ways. Well, not only that, familiarity is fine. You know, knowing that in three, four years you're going to get a new Persona, a new Final Fantasy, a new. Whatever it is, that's fun. That's great. It's always nice to know you have some really cool games always lined up and in the bucket, and you don't have to have devs over there brainstorming their minds out trying to come up with the fresh new idea, which, like I keep saying over and over, is getting increasingly more difficult because there's been so many games over the years, and there's so many great ideas that are just dead in the water in the past that we could totally bring out and for a whole new generations be fresh anyway. You know, we're old men at this point, Matt. You think the 20, 30-year-olds remember half the crap we played when we were 9, 10, 11? Negative. No. You said it. These two topics 100% go hand in hand because if you never make another Anthem game, whatever, but you have all those systems that make that great flying system that have this really cool animation style or, or whatever it is, for these games that were to hit and, and are gone, 
But you could take that skeleton out of the closet, put a bunch of new muscles and skin on it, and go, look at this. We got some cool ideas. And, you know, you could don't even have to say, oh, we took the flying system from Anthem because then people go, Anthem. You'd go, check out this cool game with the flying system that's cool. Because I guarantee you EA could do that. They could they could sign a check and pull that system right out of Bioware's closet and make any kind of game they want out of it. Why not do that? If you want fresh things, I mean, that's a that's a fresh system. Put that in any kind of game. People are going to love it. Put it in a Boba Fett game. He's flying around with his jetpack now. Boom. There you go. Perfect. I'd probably play a Boba Fett game still, but I'm getting tired of Star Wars 2, man. But I would still probably do a Boba Fett one. <laughs> Says the guy who was just all hyped about Jedi Forbidden Death Survivor, Valley or okay, whatever Jedi it's Survivor. Don't, you know, hey, look, I said I'm almost over Star Wars. <laughs> but Jedi Fallen Order was fantastic. And Jedi Survivor, from what I'm hearing... Is also fantastic. So that that's it's just a little bit still keep me in the universe, but <laughs> so I won't go all out and say negative. But but it's just it's just wild to me. I mean, you know, and I, I say jokingly all the time back in the Chakan, man, what a story, what a cool concept that was. Obviously, it was archaic and and simple, but you turn the minds and the developers these days into a story like that, and then you know flesh it out and make it bigger and better. Just stuff like that. Any kind of those stories you could bring back wholeheartedly and just make amazing in today's you know day and age with all the new tech we got. Imagine you know that Chakan and the God of War type sequences. You know that'd be freaking cool. I mean, I was just thinking about. Obviously, they're remaking the game I'm thinking of. But what about a modern day front mission game, like a brand new yeah. high tech PS5 front mission game? Obviously, they're redoing two and they're redoing three. But what about like a fresh, hot? shiny new one with all the bells and whistles and all the things you're going back to a, a, a not even the old style but what could these refreshes of dead franchises or games look like with ps5 visuals or those hot ass pc visuals that i see on all these youtubers because they got the expensive pcs with the 1080s and the 980s and the 1580s and the whatevers and i'm gonna keep going because eric's typing away he's looking up something he's got to talk about he's going clickety clackerson i got nothing well basically what it was matt was uh you said you want a new front mission that's fresh and hot and i'm like from software is making a new mech game what one is that that's Armored Core. That's different. It's Armored different Core. Things. It's a different one. That's right. Front mission like, is the ah. tactical one. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's the tactical. Armored Core is the more action action one. Okay. Well, it okay. it was simulation, and then it became action. So I'm not sure. Sh- mm-hmm. Nobody's sure what the new one's going to be. Well, what but it will be. But it's not yeah. units on a grid. That's front mission. Yes, I assume it'll be more action. But of course, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I I just couldn't remember in my head. I was like, okay, I remember one of them's way different from the other. But I was like. Was it front mission they're making or not? So I was trying to click-clack it real quick. There you go. There's so many ideas. It could go on and on forever. Yeah. In a nutshell, it's just there's so many games in the past that didn't quite make it for very bajillion different reasons. But we, we just always go, yeah, that game failed. And that's it. That's the end of the conversation. We don't think about any of the good stuff about it, bringing back and using, like you said, the skeleton of it to do something different. Or just, hey, give it another chance. Let them go back to town with those characters, that world, and see if they can fix what was wrong fundamentally with that game that made it fail and maybe succeed this time. I feel like there's a big old stank on anything that fails. And it's like, nope, that's just dead, man. You got to throw that right in the trash. You just take that whole world, chop it to bits. And I don't think that's cool. I don't think that's right. We shouldn't be doing that. And I agree with you. But what about you out there in podcast listener land? 
Do you agree with what we're saying? Or do you want the world chopped up and thrown in a trash can? Let us know via the email, thirdshiftme at gmail.com, on the Twitter machine at thirdshiftme. Find us on Facebook under Third Shift. Hit us up in the Discord, the Patreon. Find me on Twitch sometimes, but I'm going to get back into there, so you'll find me on there too. That was a digression. I might cut it. Who knows? Whatever. But that's how we're going to do it. That's how we do that is how we do. You can also go find us on the Facebooks. We're over there having a good old time, living the life. And we're over on Patreon where we have a tip jar set up. You like the episode, had a good time with us today. Consider throwing a buck, two bucks, three bucks, any kind of bucks over there. Give us a certain amount of bucks and you get some extra shows and you get to have a good time with us. But anything and all things do help. And if you can't do that, that's understandable. You can go over to Twitch, give us your Amazon Prime money. You can also give us mailbag questions. You can respond to what we just talked about with what you think, where we can talk about it on a show coming up, or just, hey, read it to ourselves and have a great time, or maybe go interact on Discord with what was said and talked about. There's all sorts of ways you can interact with us and have a good time, and we encourage you to do so because we love hearing from you. And of course, we also encourage you to listen to the very next episode, which will be dropping on or around the 4th of May. And check that episode out on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean, on Spotify, and on YouTube. And as I always say, hey, if you like what we're doing, you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services, because it does help us out. And we really do appreciate it. We really do appreciate it. Just like we appreciate those five-star reviews over on iTunes and over on the Spotify. And also, not only that, but I think... On some other site, is it YouTube somewhere? I don't remember now, Matt. I'm losing it. There was there was another way to rate us. You said it was Facebook last time. Facebook. Yes, Facebook apparently has some way you can rate shows, podcasts, that kind of thing by going to their actual site over there. I don't know how to do it, but I saw it. I did see it for sure. So you know what? Be the first. Get on over there and check it out because I tell you a billion, million times, you already know. It helps us out, gets us higher up in the rigmarole, and then more people see us. And then someday we can blast off to the moon. Maybe even that. Remember that food line we were going to do? Remember mm-hmm. that thing? Mm-hmm. Man, that's still there. Might still happen. Who knows? It's up to you, folks. All right? We'll see you star side. Is that something? Is that, isn't that a something from like a, a, a Destiny podcast, maybe? See you star side. How would I know about or that? Movie. I don't listen or to I that don't garbage. Remember. This stuff gets confusing. I, I'm going to redact that because, you know, maybe that's like infringing on somebody's like copyright. So maybe not but see, we're talking about stars. The sun is creeping into this window. It's about to blind me half to death or 100% to death. So it's time to close out the episode by saying there's nothing else to say but...